I'm Shereen Patek, and this is Starting Out. Digiday's newest podcast where I take the personal route with the movers and shakers in the marketing industry to find out their stories, how they became the leaders they are today, and what their special power is that makes their craft so remarkable. I always said rather be lucky than smart, but I don't think lucky happens by accident. I think that it, you have to be aware of your surroundings. You have to really be a great listener and tune in to opportunities. You have to be willing to make the advance um, to start the conversation. That's Tina Sharkey, founder and CEO at Brandless. Tina is in business today, but while graduating college, she did not plan for this. It started with an interesting story, and at the core of it is her family, more specifically, her mom, who is getting Tina a lot of interviews, because of which she got her first big break entirely by chance. Not in the way you'd imagine it. I grew up um, in New York, born and raised. Um, I went to high school in Manhattan, Stuyvesant High School. Um, I'm the youngest of three girls. Um, I am the tallest, but I am the baby uh, sister of the Sharkey sisters. And, you know, both of our parents worked. And when I went to high school in Manhattan, I would go uh, take the subway up from Stuyvesant to my mom's showroom. At the time, she was the president of Anne Klein and then the president of Perry Ellis America, uh, which were big fashion companies. And so I did my homework in the showrooms. And my mom used to always say, you know, you can sit in on any meeting um, you'd like to as long as you only speak when spoken to. Sometimes I would convince the people in the model room to allow me to wear the clothes and then I'd come back into the showroom, continue on maybe some other homework projects and uh, and then get to sometimes sit in with some of the presidents and uh, general merchandise managers and buyers from stores all over the country, or I get to sit in on a design and planning meeting um, or various things. So I definitely grew up, um, you know, where business and entrepreneurship and company running and building and creativity were were regular conversations at every table, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm trying to set up the scene here because I, I love the image of you, you know, coming up from Stuyvesant, uh, going to the showroom and sitting there doing your homework while all this amazing stuff was going on around you. How much, how much of that did you look at and think, hey, that's what I want to do? Or was that more, okay, here's a, here's a cool career choice. Maybe this is for me. I mean, did you, did you feel like this is what I'm going to do when I grow up at any point when you were sitting in those showrooms and talking to these people? Oh, 100%. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I thought I was going to do. And that's what I graduated college assuming that I would do uh, was run a fashion company uh, by, by there was not even a question in my mind. And that's what I said out to do until a really interesting um, turn happened, which was that my mom, um, being the awesome mother, um, she had sent set up a bunch of like conversational informational interviews for me, um, not with the hopes of me working for these people because they were, you know, leaders and, you know, presidents and CEOs of different companies, but just to sort of learn, you know, if they would give me 15 minutes, you know, just to meet with me and, and talk about career aspirations and things like that. And um, one of them was with this incredible man, Tomio Taki, um, a Japanese, um, Japanese man who owned a bunch of different fashion companies and Klein and Donna Karen and a bunch of different companies. And he, um, his assistant, Melanie, actually I haven't even thought about her in a while. She showed me into his office for the meeting. 
And at the time he had, you know, two big chairs sort of in front of his desk um, that were like guest chairs and he had not come into his office. And so she said, you know, I'm so sorry, but Mr. Taki is going to be slightly delayed. Do you mind waiting? And I said, oh my goodness, not at all. And so I sat there at his desk and in many ways, you know, this is before the smartphone, this is before, you know, Snapchat and Facebook and things that are like constant distractions. And I was just staring um, at, you know, the things behind his desk. And he had on the floor piled very high a stack of what appeared to be business plans, which were sort of, you know, the name of the companies were written on the spine like a script. And um, and they were piled up um, from the floor. You know, they must have been at least three feet tall. And one of those business plans was actually, by total coincidence, a company that I had worked on. I had written that business plan with two entrepreneurs from Philadelphia because I went to the University of Pennsylvania. I graduated from the College of Arts and Sciences, but I did take classes at the Wharton School, and one of the classes I took was entrepreneurial management. And the um, the big project uh, for that course was that they paired you up with entrepreneurs from um, downtown Philly um, to help them with their business planning. And so the business plan that we actually worked on, which at the time it was a videotape vending machine company, um, was sitting on his floor, like in this stack. And so when he walked in and we started the conversation, I said, you know, I beg your pardon, but may I ask you a question? Um, what is that, you know, plan? And I pointed to it doing here. And he said, oh, well, that is a, um, company that I'm thinking of investing in with one of my investment partners. And at the time, you know, the idea of angel investing and, you know, seed investing and venture capital, like that wasn't something that was as institutionalized back then um, in the way that it is now where everyone's sort of an angel in some way, shape or form in this community here in Silicon Valley. And I said, oh, well, that's so interesting. He said, why do you ask? And I said, well, I wrote that plan with those two entrepreneurs and he sort of looked, I remember him sort of looking, taking a moment and like pushing his glasses back onto his face and saying, you did what? And I said, and I, so I explained what I just explained to you. And I said, and if you're considering an investment in the company, I would think twice because I think there are patent issues. And he said, really? Um, that's fascinating. Um, would you do me a favor? Uh, would you meet with my business partner? Um, who is exploring this with me in sort of my merchant banking, um, you know, capacity uh, where I have these other business investments. And I said, absolutely. It would be, you know, a privilege. No, my pleasure. Um, and so uh, the next day I met with his partner and I went through the whole plan and I explained, you know, what the strengths, what the weaknesses, what the opportunities were from my perspective. You know, I mean, I, I hadn't, I had just done this project, you know, literally weeks before, um, maybe a month before I just graduated. So it was something I did in my spring semester. And so he then uh, said, oh, well, maybe we should reevaluate our investment. I said, well, that's up to you, but at least, you know, eyes wide open, kind of what you're walking into. And I, and I said, what else are you looking at? You know, other things. And we got to the conversation and it turned out that they were investing in high definition television because um, Akia Morita, who was the chairman of Sony in Japan, uh, Sony was where the labs were that were developing the first HDTV um, recording equipment. And they wanted to, you know, obviously make HDTV a reality so they could sell the televisions. Um, and so 
Tomio Taki was very, very close with Akia Morita, and he was asking Tomio if he would sort of help him bring it into this market. And so they ended up investing in a video production company and kind of using that as a landing place to start prototyping different types of HDTV programming and production. And so I was not a technical person, um, but I was fascinated by what they were doing and they hired me. And so I immediately like, you know, my, my, my very short lived non, non realized career as a fashion executive made like a hard right into technology and media. And I never looked back. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. After the break, Tina will talk about how important chance has been in her career. Stay tuned. But right now, a quick break to tell you about Digiday Plus. Digiday Plus is our premium membership product. Join our community to get a first-hand look at how digital is transforming the world of business. You'll get Digiday Magazine, exclusive research, and invites to member-only events. And it's only $3.95 a year. Please sign up at digitayplus.com. And for you, our podcast listener, we have a discount offer. To get 10% off your subscription, enter the code podcast at checkout. Now back to the episode. It's, it's so funny because so many things conspired for you to be in that office at that precise moment that that plan was there. You know, he was, he was a little late. You were there. You didn't have a distraction. You decided to look around. How, do you think you're, do you think that was luck? Do you think that was just amazing chance? I mean, I am, um, you know, I'd always said rather be lucky than smart, but I don't think lucky happens by accident. I think that it, you have to be aware of your surroundings. You have to really be a great listener and tune in to opportunities. You have to be willing to make the advance, um, to start the conversation. And so I think, it, there's no question about it. That was luck, but you could replay that scene where I'm sitting there and I don't say anything or where I'm sitting there and I don't have the courage to sort of challenge the assumption or I don't say, Oh, I worked on that. How exciting, you know, uh, where you have to have confidence, you have to have courage, you have to have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of crazy, right? Like here I was this 21 year old girl and here was this, you know, major fashion, you know, international uh, uh, superstar. But I think because my mom had acculturated me to being around, you know, successful grownups in the course of their business dealings. So these weren't like parents of friends who I was meeting in social settings. These were people I was meeting in business settings. Um, and I became very comfortable with that. And so I think it's a confluence of all of those things. Um and then there's no question that luck had lots to do with it. But I think you can actually create your own luck um, by kind of the, what I'll call the alchemy of opportunity. That's really interesting. Do you, do you remember a time that, you know, that you maybe didn't take that opportunity and you always wonder what would have happened if I had said this and not that? Um, do you remember a time you maybe didn't take advantage of what was maybe in front of you or have you know, whether you want to call it courage or anything like that to actually speak up about something. I'd love to hear about that a little bit. Um, time that I didn't take advantage. Um, you know, you just don't know because I'm sure there's been many, many times when I have been in the room or been close to a situation and I didn't capitalize on it, but I wasn't aware of the fact that I wasn't capitalizing on it. There's probably been many times I've been in the room with people who had I bisected or intersected or knew what they were up to, um, that I would have had, 
you know, more things to talk about or to kind of be conversation starters. You know, in many ways, that business plan was a catalyst for a conversation. So I think, you know, there are, you know, one of my uh, dear friends and just an incredible entrepreneur who you should get on the show, Amy Chang, she started a company called A Company, A-C-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y. And if you don't have the A Company app, just um, text me later and, and I'll hook you up. But it basically, it basically reads all of your, um, if you permission it, of course, it reads your email, it reads your social networks, it reads your LinkedIn, it reads your world, and then it essentially accompanies you um, wherever you go. So you know that who you're talking to, the last meeting you had, what's the last thing they tweeted, what's the last thing they shared, what articles have they been referenced in, et cetera, et cetera. So they're in a way creating that personal dossier on uh, business, you know, it's used for business context. Um, and um, the features and functionality are just incredible, especially if you're in, you know, like a sales role or things like that. But in many ways, you know, nobody should be walking into a situation, a setting or an environment where they don't actually have the download on who the people are in the room that they have the potential to create that luck with, right? Well, let's do your research. I mean, that's great career advice, right? That's just great advice for life. You got to do your research before you walk into whatever that situation is, whether it's a meeting or whether it's an interview or maybe it's just maybe it's just chance. Um, being able to understand that. Let's let's talk about brandless because it's. Brandless also, firstly, if you know people who don't who don't know what Brandless is, uh, you should absolutely check it out. Um, Brandless is you know the company that Tina co-founded along with her co-founder Ida Leffler, and it's an e-commerce company. And the idea is that uh, we're paying too much for the things that we need all day and every day that make our lives better. And the, the I think that the very genesis of the idea is. It's, it's got this great element of we need to make the world a better place. It's, it's more than about selling things. It's about actually making the world something else. I want you to talk a little bit about, about the genesis of that idea and sort of where that came from beyond, oh, this is a great business idea, but also it's going to do some real good in the world. Yeah, I mean, there is no, for me there and for Ido, um, there is no business idea that's not, that doesn't have purpose for us. Uh, that doesn't have purpose at its core and in its DNA, because that's just who we are. And so given how much time you spend creating, growing, um, scaling, um, you know, startup businesses, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it like put all of our DNA into it, which means that it has to, I mean, success, of course, and that's why you raise venture capital. And that's why you, um, you know, you create opportunity, but significant is really an impact is what we care about. Um, success is like, it's, I wouldn't say it's a given, um, but it's like, that's where we start um, from the perspective of we're going to build a business that makes incredible sense. And that is going after a huge addressable market with a, uh, a massive unmet need. Um, but the significance and the purpose is, 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 is in the DNA of both of us and, and absolutely in the DNA of Brandless, because at the end of the day, like everyone deserves better and better doesn't need to cost more. And so we're debunking the idea that if you pay more for something, you're actually getting better quality. Um, and that pricing and the disparity between what things cost to make versus what you're forced, um, to pay for them is completely out of whack. And so we are, 
on a mission, um, a very big mission to democratize access to goodness at the highest level. But very specifically, if you go to brandless.com, you're going to find the stuff you um, already love and use every day, whether it's organic agave, organic uh, coconut oil, organic olive oil, um, you know, non-GMO foods, clean beauty, meaning, you know, the shampoos without the parabens and the phthalates, not animal tested, all the things that you probably reach for every day, but you don't reach for brandless product because you're probably um, reaching for national brands that are laden with what we call the brand tax. And that brand tax represents not just the marketing costs, but truly the system inefficiencies. If you start from the place of manufacturing and you go all the way down the journey, which for every product is a different journey, um, until it gets to the shelf, until it gets to your home. And so if you start at that manufacturing place, you're talking about you're paying the distribution cost to get into the stores that you shop in. Many times the companies don't sell directly to those stores. So there's a markup. You're paying wholesale to retail. You're paying shelf stocking. You're paying shelf placement. You're paying settlement fees. You're paying breakage fees. You're paying all these things. Then you're layering on all the national brand uh, costs, et cetera, et cetera. And oftentimes you're signing up unconsciously for a false narrative. You know, as I like to say, um, the other day I was joking around. I said, you know, I, I don't want to be the one to break the news, but the Dolly Green Giant didn't really pick your green beans. Mr. Whipple doesn't really squeeze the Charmin. He doesn't even work at Procter & Gamble. And um, and Madge, you know, the palm olive lady, she's not a manicurist. Um, and that guy in the shower with the six pack, like, I don't think that had anything to do with the body wash. Um, so... Those are like narratives that we've been like forced to believe things that, you know, this product is going to make you smarter. It's going to make you taller. It's going to make you thinner. It's going to make you more beautiful. It's going to make your life so much better. Sunsets are going to be even richer um, if you use this product. And it's like, really? Come on. In the age of social media at an age of a time where it's no longer what a brand says about itself, but it's what a friend tells a friend, then like if the friends are telling friends and if they all have their own networks, then in those networks, how can we listen to their stories and make that the story that matters? And it's different for everyone. So some people feel like their coffee makes them more productive and that's the adjective they use. And some people it's aromatic and some people care that it's fair trade and it's organic, um, but it shouldn't cost more and there shouldn't be a narrative that's written by madmen. It should be a narrative that's reflective of how you actually feel. And that narrative might be different for everybody. So when we say brandless, we're trying to sort of not only debunk the idea, but also create the products um, that are remarkable in quality um, at, at one fair price, which is $3. Um, there are some things that are two for three and some that are three for three, but across the board, you don't even need to bother checking prices. It's all $3. I find it so interesting because I wanted to link it back to you growing up and, you know, you you had uh, you had a mom that worked in fashion. You wanted to work in fashion, and fashion sort of occupies such an interesting place in that whole world because so much of fashion is selling a narrative. So much of it is because of the virtue of what it is. How did sort of how do you link back? You know, you growing up in that to what you're doing today. Do you? Because it's interesting to me because I know we've spoken about this before, but you told me once that. Um, you never played full price for anything because you were lucky enough to be in an environment where you understood what things really, really cost. And so much of that has has informed what you're trying to create with Brandless. Um, how do those two things work with you? 
That's very, very, um, very intuitive of you because, you know, as my mom used to say, we don't pay retail. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I had never say that. Uh, I never said that to you. So that's a very uh, huge insight uh, growing up in that business and knowing what wholesale to retail really means. Um, you know, it's offensive to pay retail if you actually understand all of the, you know, laid on cost and layers of cost that go into things. So I would agree with that. It definitely had an impact in understanding quality and value equations. In terms of the false narrative, fashion is a little bit different because fashion is very much about taste. Um, and so it's a trickier, there's tons of brand tax that gets laid into fashion, but fashion is, is so taste driven that um, the brand building is really often the brand building of the designer and the not so much like of each particular garment. Um, cause some garments are utility and some garments are, um, you know, taste and some are both. So I think that's, you know, we, we, at Brandless, we're doing everyday essentials, the things you reach for and touch every day, the things you put on your face, the things you put in your hair, the things that you put in your mouth, the things that you fill your pantry with, um, the things that you clean with the multi-surface cleaners, you know, they're EPA safer choice certified. The toilet bowl cleaners are the same as is the, you know, most, of the food is organic and it's all non-GMO. Um, and so the beauty is all clean. So it's just all different. Um, but it's all this, it's all the best stuff at fair prices. What, what frustrates you, Tina? What frustrates me? Um, I can't move fast enough. Uh, we can't, you know, we just want, there's so much to do. Um, there's not enough hours in the day. How do you manage that? I mean, you're very, you're incredibly busy. Um, I know because, you know, get, trying to get on your calendar is very, very hard. And how do you compartmentalize? How do you, how do you make sure you have time for the things that you need, you know, to have time to think? Because going back to that meeting you had right at the beginning, you, you, you got that chance partly because you made time to think, you made time to look around. Um, you know, I'd say that I'm very present where I am. I try and not put off decisions that I can make today. I can always make another decision tomorrow, but I don't like to let decisions sit out, out there because that just, there's a whole, you know, cascading effect of people who are waiting to move and waiting to do things. Um, and so I don't want to be a bottleneck. Um, and I prioritize, you know, my children and my, uh, uh, you know, first and foremost, you know, I'm a mom. Um, and I'm a startup CEO and I'm a friend and I have, I'm a sister and a daughter and a niece and a cousin and an aunt. So I have lots of different roles. Um, but I try and be as efficient as I can and be really present. And most importantly, uh, the privilege of working with extraordinary people, um, who you can run that relay rate race with and they have the baton um so it, the key is is aligning yourself with extraordinary people that was tina sharkey founder and ceo of brandless and that's a wrap for today's episode thank you for listening our producer is aditi sangal if you like our show please subscribe we're on itunes stitcher and google play while you're there rate us leave us a review hopefully it's five stars and i'm shereen patek we'll see you next week